0: I just need a day in the bed of doing nothing like I don't want to do anything I don't even want the tv on I just wanted to lay there and I realized at that moment I'm like okay going forward like I'm really gonna have to listen to myself and what is it that I need today and I say in the book like some days I'll just want a milkshake from Mm Chick-fil-a And I make it a point to go get that milkshake from Chick-fil-A because you have to do those things for yourself. Cause you know, not that there aren't other people that will do it for you. We have family and friends, but if you're not willing to do it for yourself, how can you expect anyone else, you know, to do it for you?
1: Okay, welcome to Black Addit, the next adventures with Gail and Tia. I'm Tia Price.
2: And I'm Gail Brown.
1: And Gail, how was your week?
2: Busy. Oh my God. Between the holidays (laughs) and, you know, closing down from work, running around, shopping, planning parties, attending parties. It's just been busy. And so yesterday I had nothing on my calendar and I just took advantage of the opportunity to rest, which I realized I hadn't done in
1: weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. I was exhausted as well. And you know what, Gail? I realized I don't have the energy that I had when I was 25, 27. You know, I started to think back when I had all that energy. What was I doing with that time? What were you doing? Looking for a husband. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. I mean, that's pretty much all I did. I think I hit Tacoma Station once a week. I went to chat with you. You were there. Chapter three, when that was back in the day in DC, I always hit Thursdays, TJ Remington on this hunt, went to house parties. If I was invited to those, I mean, I remember thinking you go to college, you get a job and the next step you get a husband. I mean, that was my focus. And you remember my mother passed away in college. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think I had any guidance. I was just going off of this previous plan. Exactly.
2: That's what we were told. That's what we were taught. That's what we were doing. We didn't have, you know, personal goals. I guess our personal goal was let's find a husband and start a (laughs) life, you know, and get married, have kids. But yeah, we don't have personal goals. That's why I'm so excited to talk with our next guest. Kayla Nixon is a blogger, a first time author. She just wrote a Black woman's coffee table book commentary on life, loss, and love. She's a former pre-K teacher and holds a bachelor's and master's degree in elementary education from Old Dominion University. Kayla uses her digital platform to showcase her work as a photographer and her work as a writer, broadly addressing themes of travel, Black womanhood, loss, love, and more. Welcome, Kayla.
0: Welcome. Hi. Thanks for having me. I'm mm-hmm. exhausted s- just
1: reading you know, <laughs> your bio. <laughs> <laughs> I know. We're so excited to have you because Gail and I talked about, you know, as we were learning about you and reading about the book and learning some of the information that you had in the book, we were saying, my goodness, at 27 years old, I know you've been through a number of things, but The accomplishments, the things that you do, the travel, the photography, you've accomplished so much at this early age. It's just amazing. And we're just so inspired by you. Your new book that's out, I cannot wait to hear more
0: about it. So tell us a little bit about why did you write a book? What was this inspiration? (laughs) Well, I have wanted to be an author my entire life. So I wrote this bucket list when I was in the fourth grade. And being an author was one of the things (laughs) that I've always wanted to do. So literacy was always a big deal in my family. My mom majored in English. My dad minored in English. And so education, reading, writing, all of that was always very encouraged in our household. And so I think I just, from my love of books, wanted to contribute to that space by one day being an author as well. I couldn't have anticipated being an author at twenty-seven. That was something that just kind of happened in the last few months, but nevertheless, um, very exciting thing to now be a first-time author.
2: Wow. A bucket list in the fourth grade.
0: (laughs) Again. Now I've realized I wasn't thinking then either.
1: I had no idea what I wanted to do in the fourth grade outside of maybe color. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what I was doing, but okay. So tell us though, you decide you want to write a book. Now, Mm -hmm. did you have any thoughts of what it was
0: going to be about or what the content was going to be? How did that come about? Well, initially I didn't have any idea, but what happened was I was in a pretty transitional phase in my life where everyone that was living with me moved out and it was just me. And so I was in therapy one day and my therapist was encouraging me to just reflect on, you know, the year so far and everything that had happened in my life and, you know, everything that was going on. And so what I did was I sat down and I started going through my journals and all of these notes that I had written. And I knew that I wanted to be an author, but it never occurred to me that the content that I had written in my journals and my notes could be the book. But when I sat down around August and I was, you know, going through all these quotes and I'm thinking. I've been through so much. And I was writing all these really encouraging things to myself. Someone else might be able to use these words that I wrote to myself. And that's kind of how the book came about. Wow. wow. Amazing. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Amazing. So how did you come up with the title of the book? A black so woman? The
0: title, it originally was something else. And then one day I was sitting in my living room and I have coffee table books on my table in my living room. And I was thinking, I was like, there's not a lot of coffee table books that are, or anything really specifically to black women. And I'm a black woman and that's my experience. And I wanted to kind of contribute something to that world, to our world that's specific to us. And so I was thinking of all of these things that I like about coffee table books, like the fact that they have pictures, Mm -hmm. they have sometimes have encouraging words. There are a lot of different ways that coffee table books look, but I wanted to kind of put some of myself and my creativity into creating one. And so that's how it turned into a coffee table book. I wanted it to be something that was like aesthetically pleasing on people's tables, but also had something encouraging and inspirational on the inside.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Kayla, you know, you mentioned you've been through a lot of experiences and in your book, you talk about journaling through life, through loss, Mm -hmm. through love. Tell us a little bit about you and some of the things we
0: can find in your book. So I've been journaling forever, but just in the past three years, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer in 2019, February, 2019. And then my mom had just been diagnosed with cancer in 2018. So we ended up having cancer at the same time. And then, so I'm, you know, journaling through that whole experience. And then my mom passed away in December, 2019. So I would say that year was the most marked year of my life. So many things have been so many different experiences that just kind of have made me who I am and kind of encouraged me to do what I've done thus far. And so through that, like I said, through that entire experience, I was journaling and not journaling at all with the intent of inspiring other people. I was just trying to get through yeah. the situations that I was going through and, you know, At the same time, I'm, you know, in and out of relationships and different things like that. I'm traveling. I took my first international trip a couple months after I got diagnosed with cancer. And so, again, just journaling through all these things and just kind of trying to figure my way through life at that Mm -hmm. point.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, congratulations on surviving cancer. Thanks so much. Um, I'm also a fellow survivor. So I think I kind of (laughs) understand, you know, how going through that can affect your life going forward. Yeah. So like I told you, you are such an inspiration. And when did it click that, okay, I do have a story to tell and I can help other women and not let, you know, being only 27 get in the way
0: it clicked for me probably earlier in 2021 i had quit my job like i said i was a pre k teacher i had quit my job and i was just kind of i mean i was grieving but at the same time i was just still kind of trying to figure out life i knew that i didn't want to be a teacher long term and so i had all these goals i had all these you know travel goals and whatnot and every time I would talk to someone, they'd say like, you know, we saw that you had cancer, you know, we saw that you've been through this, saw that you've been through that. And you just always appear to be like, you're doing okay. And that is kind of what made me realize like that. I had a story to tell because it's, you know, there are people that have gone through similar situations that, you know, are not okay, unfortunately, and, you know, don't necessarily have the strength or the resilience to get through certain situations. And it's unfortunate. It's very sad to me. And so I wanted to be someone that could encourage someone like that, because I know what it's like to have cancer. I know what it's like to lose someone. And so early 2021 is when it clicked for me. Like I have these things that I've been through and I have to share them.
2: Right. Right. You know, Tia and I were talking as we were preparing for this episode that, you know, at 27, you know, we weren't focused so much on how to help others, goals that will carry us through into our 50s and 60s. That was so foreign to us, I guess. And so when I asked in the previous question, how did you not let your age stand in your way? I just admire that you, have just gone with it and gone forward and have done all these things at the age, the tender age of 27. (laughs) I think think that is so amazing because that is so just not like how I was at 27.
1: And and Gail, I'll add that this is why I really wanted Kayla to come on because the way that we were raised is completely different on how younger people are thinking today, which Mm -hmm. is You know, how can I make that difference? You know, what can I do to keep, make my goals come true? Mm -hmm. Where can I go with the information that I have and not be kind of cookie cutter? Cause I feel like we were all cookie cutter in some ways. But I also want to go back to a point, Kayla, you just made about resilience and going through these experiences. And I wish everyone could see Kayla because Kayla is glamorous. You'll see her (laughs) on her Instagrams and on her websites and all of that. You'll see is glamorous all the time. Anytime I've seen you in person, you're glamorous. But you're reminding me of Gail, actually, too, because Gail's the same way because of the way she presented herself. Mm -hmm. She was constantly keeping herself motivated and looked glamorous every day, even though it was difficult. And I'm sure it was difficult for you, too. But that point in resilience is so key to what you're saying. And with some of the questions that you have in your book, it really gets us thinking
0: Mm -hmm. on how we can continue to be resilient. Can you talk about that? So when I wrote the book, I was like, I want this to be a space. I want it to be a community where it's not just, you know, I publish a book and that's it. And, you know, people read it and then they go on about their lives. They don't think about anything else. I wanted to put something out there that would encourage people to think and encourage people to, you know, where can I make a change in my life or how can I better approach this situation? And not to say that I, you know, approach every situation impeccably well, because I don't. There are a lot of times where I'm, you know, where I cry through a whole situation. But I wanted to put these questions out there that, you know, encourage people to think about life, to think about love, to think about loss, to think about, you know, what is the idea of love that I have? And how do I want to share that with other people? How do I want my children to see love? You know, how do I reckon with the loss that I've experienced? How do I go on after that? You know, how do I find a balance between the life that I knew before loss and now this new life that I have? All of these questions that were in my head while I was going through these experiences, I wanted to put them out there for other people to think about and to kind of consider You know, there is life after loss. There's, you know, you can find love. And here are these questions that might help you do that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, like Tia was saying earlier, she lost her mom when she was in college and I lost my dad when I was 24. Oh, wow. And, you know, looking back, you know, we suffered through the grief by ourselves. Mm -hmm. Of course, we had family members who were also grieving, but we weren't as open with our grief as mm-hmm. you are and i think that probably even helped you more like you didn't hold it in mm-hmm. you used various ways to express your grief grow with your grief mm-hmm. uh, manage your grief in a way that is helping others <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: yeah and i think that that's amazing amazing yeah yeah thank you for that
1: Yeah. And one of the questions that you have around in the journaling piece on Mm -hmm. loss was how would I feel most supported by people around me during this time? Mm -hmm. I thought that was such a great question. Where did that come from and how were you
0: supported? It's it's actually very funny. The reason that that question came to my head was, and don't get me wrong, I appreciate everything that people did, you know, when I lost my mom. But there was this one question that I, you know, asked my family, you know, the week after she passed and everyone's bringing food over and all these things. And in the kitchen and I look around and it's like 300 pieces of chicken. (laughs) When is anyone going to eat all of this chicken? (laughs) So So I asked the question, I was like, you know, I just feel like there are a number of different ways that people can support, but there's always like certain defaults that people, especially us as Black people, there are certain defaults that we go to. And so that question came to my head, how can I communicate to other people? Okay, maybe I don't need this at this time, but maybe you can help me with this you know, maybe I want a burger one day or or maybe you can help. I don't know. Maybe you can come help me with my laundry or what? Maybe you can help me clean the house, anything. So that was one of those times where I was like, you know, that comes down to me being able to let other people know what I need. And because people aren't mind readers, and so, you know, they'll just do whatever the first thing is that comes to mind, which is very thoughtful. But you have to be very specific about what you need, especially when you're grieving or in a time where you're just dealing with a lot.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that's important, too, because when I'm thinking back, you're correct. People come over, they, it's immediate reaction. Mm-hmm. And then they fade away. Yep. And Do you recommend reaching back out to people and saying, Hey, I still need
0: support because it does fall away, but you're still grieving years and years and years later. Absolutely. This is two years later. And I just literally last week was having a conversation with my therapist and talking about there was a day, maybe a month ago now where I was just having a really hard day And I'm a very independent person. So if I can figure it out myself, I'm going to try to figure it out. But this day, I just, I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I just could not get myself together. And so I called my dad, but he was sick. So I, you know, I didn't really want to bother him. And then I texted my brother and he was busy and I, you know, reached out to a cousin and they were busy. And so I'm, I'm going through the list and I finally get another cousin who's like, oh, sure, you know, I'll come over. I'll be there in 30 minutes. And so I was talking to my therapist and she was like, it's so important that you knew to have this list of people that if anything ever happened, these are your top three your top four top five people that you can reach out and say, hey, I need some help. And I think that that's something that I've had to figure out, especially since my mom passed, that it's okay to reach out. It's okay to not be okay. And it's okay to need other people. And that's something that I knew before my mom passed, but definitely after she passed, it was just a space where I didn't want to get to the point where I was really isolated or. didn't know how to reach out. And so that has become very important for me. If I'm not having a good day or if I need help with something, I will call, I will text someone.
2: That's such a good point because people in instances like this, death, illness, whatever,
0: Mm -hmm. always come. how
2: can I help? Or I want to be of help, but they don't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. yeah, we have to tell them. And you know, the people who you can go back to years and years. Later, or months or weeks later, mm-hmm. who really care about you. Yeah. And they might not have said, Hey, I want to continue to help you, but you know that they do. Right. And having, like you said, those top three, top five people in your back pocket who you know you can go to, that is key. I mean, yeah, I absolutely. really think that, you know, people should have their top five.
0: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> who Definitely. You know who you Highly recommend for. it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. And Kayla, you've
1: mentioned a couple of times about a therapist and you know how Mm -hmm. sometimes our community avoids dealing with mental health issues (laughs) or, you know, you even talk about self care in the book, which we'll get to, Mm -hmm. but what are your thoughts on that? How did you go about deciding, Hey, I need to attend therapy. This is something that will help me Mm -hmm. as I go through these challenges.
0: So back in 2019, when I was having that incredibly difficult year. I got to a point where, like I said, I had been diagnosed with cancer. My mom has cancer. She's in the hospital for a long period at this point. And I also was a teacher, but I knew that I didn't want to be a teacher. And so that September or August, when it was time to go back, I was just having a really hard time because I'm like, I don't want to go to this job every day. And I usually would talk to my mom about it, but I'm, you know, not wanting to burden her. And so I'm like, let me just look for a therapist. So I literally Google, you know, black female therapists in my area and I found one and it just so happened that I got a really good therapist on the first try, but I do always encourage people if you don't like, you know, the first session you go to keep trying, but I definitely think therapy is something that I had to do that year, just for the simple fact that I didn't feel like I could talk to the people in my life about what I was going through, because they were also going through the same thing. So I didn't want to burden them. And I wanted someone who not only could, who would listen, but who would also offer tips and you know, help me unravel all of these things and figure out, okay, what is it that you want and how can you get there? And so the therapist that I found was kind of like a mixture between a therapist and a life coach that gave me some really practical things. I had assignments and everything, some really practical things that just helped me. Okay, how am I going to get through this week? It didn't even have to be how am I going to get through this whole experience or the next year? How am I going to get through this week? And so I would go to her once a week. And, you know, we would touch on all different topics and she would help me figure out, okay, how does this piece of your childhood relate to what you're going through now? How can you use something that you've learned maybe on your job to help you get through the situation with your mom? Just helping me make these really good connections that, you know, have still are helping me to this day.
2: You know, also in your book, you talk about, you know, life and how things often change and how it's important to you know take a step back mm-hmm. and look around you and see what's going on and figure out for yourself what direction mm-hmm. you're going. So I think you said something about it. Have we chosen abundance? Mm-hmm. What exactly do you mean by that?
0: So there is a scripture in the Bible that talks about how we are, you know, we're here to live an abundant life. And the thing about it is that I don't think people quote that scripture a lot in church. And I don't think that enough emphasis is put on the fact that you have to choose an abundant life. So you have to ask yourself these important questions in every area of my life, in relationships, in you know career, in whatever. Is this am I getting the most that I can get from this experience? Is this what I actually want or am I settling for something, you know, in the meantime? And I think it's important that, you know, like I said, you ask those questions for every area of your life, but in also every phase of your life, because the answer to those questions will change. And if you're in a relationship where you know, you're not being fulfilled. Is that the abundant life that God has for you? And that might help you make a decision about, you know, should I stay here or not? If you're at a job and you ask yourself, okay, is this really what I want to do? Am I the best person that I can be on this job? And if the answer is no, then there are more questions that I feel should be asked, you know, to help you evaluate, okay, is this somewhere that I need to be? And is this going to fulfill me as a person? Yeah. Yeah. Kayla, I this. needed you
1: about 20 years ago.
0: I have feel like I've wasted
1: my time. We needed Kayla before Kayla was born. was born. I mean, these tips are amazing because you're right. You do have to do this constant evaluation mm-hmm. of where, where you are and how you've linked that to an abundant life. I mean, Gail and I always talk about, is this it? You yeah. know, we talk about what's next, mm-hmm. what can we do more to fulfill ourselves and fulfill others, mm-hmm. uh, which has led us to this podcast actually, but just amazing, amazing. Let's talk a little bit about love, right? Mm-hmm. Because you have some questions in here as well about love and this is just amazing. What mm-hmm. does healthy love look like to me? hmm Wow. I mean, that is a deep question <laughs> <laughs>
0: that when you think about what does it actually mean, what does it mean to you? Healthy love for me means being seen and being heard. And it took me at two really bad relationships, honestly, to get to that. Cause that's not something that, you know, when you're young, you don't know, you know, you see someone, you like them, you're attracted to them, you get into a relationship. And there aren't you're not really thinking about all these hard questions. But then I feel like, you know, the older you get and after each experience, you're kind of evaluating, Okay, was that something that I liked or was that a situation that I loved? And so it took me, like I said, those two bad relationships to say, okay, that's not what I wanted. That's not healthy love. So what does it look like for me? So the things that I felt most in those relationships were that I wasn't heard. I didn't feel like the person listened to me. And then being seen, you know, do they support my dreams? Can they tell when, you know, I'm having an off day or, you know, do they know what are the things that give me small joy, that make me happy? Do they pay attention to these things? Are they observant about what's going on in my family life? All these different questions that I feel, you know, should be asked in a relationship that I didn't feel I was getting from those relationships. And so after those relationships, I was able to look and say, okay, I want that in the future. And that's what healthy love will look like for me. It'll look like being seen and being heard.
2: Wow. (laughs) I keep saying, wow, I'm just amazed by (laughs) you and, you know, your depth of knowledge, experience, and being able to relate your experiences and using them to help others. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think it's just, you know, wonderful to help others. And you also give in your book challenges for Mm -hmm. people and, you know, meditating and creating new habits. Mm -hmm. Talk to us about some of the challenges.
0: So those challenges came about because one of the things that helped me, and I don't do it consistently. It's been on and off for the past couple of years, but meditation definitely helped kind of ground me in some of the situations that I went through. And it did, it wasn't long. Cause I honestly, I'm more of a busy body than I thought I was. So I really can't sit there for too long, but you know, five, 10 minutes and I have a Peloton. So I, you know, do the classes on there with guided meditation And, you know, some of them are geared towards gratitude. Some of them are geared toward peace or happiness or sleep or whatever the case may be. So I would choose one that I felt like, you know, applied and do these, you know, guided meditations that I feel like really just helped center me and ground me and give me, you know, a sense of peace in some of the situations that I've been through. And then, of course, I talked about journaling, which is another challenge that I, you know, listed on the website that, you know, accompanies the book. And then there's 21 days of new habits because, you know, studies have shown that it takes 21 days to form a new habit. And so I've created these challenges because I do feel like if you're going to ask yourself these questions that I've, you know, written in the book and on the website, I feel like there's some work that accompanies those questions. You have to be willing to do something, to put some effort forward to, you know, honestly, to see any kind of change in your life. You know, if you want to lose weight, you got to do some work. If you want to get a new job, you have to apply. So I feel like those same things that we apply in other areas of our lives, you have to apply internally and, you know, asking yourself these questions, doing these different things that, help you become a healthier version of yourself. Mm -hmm. So really, Kayla, it sounds like the book is kind of
1: a love letter to yourself in a sense. The things that you're doing, Mm -hmm. [3] the way you go through loss, the way you go through life, the way you go through love, Mm -hmm. [3] making sure that it's healthy all around, that you're able to be resilient through these things Mm -hmm. [3] and get that abundant life. It's really about you. And as a Black woman, sometimes we don't put focus on these things.
0: Yeah. And it's difficult, honestly, because we're being pulled in so many different directions that it's hard. And I could imagine for you all, because you know you're married, you have children, you know, it once those all of these things start to happen, you're working, it's harder to prioritize yourself. Not that it, it's not impossible. It's very possible. Mm-hmm. It's just it takes some effort to kind of put yourself first.
2: It does take effort. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does take effort and like you said, and action. There needs to be action behind it. Mm-hmm. Things just don't happen. You have to work for it like you said.
0: Definitely.
2: So, you have a lot going on and you know, how do you fit in your travel and all these, you know, wonderful trips you've been taking?
0: <laughs> well, everything that happened in 2021, I did not plan for. At the beginning of the year, I kind of was like, you know, I did a vision board, but it wasn't anything really specific. And I kind of wanted to just, I felt like I had such a big bang introduction into adulthood, you know, with my mom passing and cancer and all these things that I was like, I want a year where I don't do anything, not do anything serious, but I just want to, I want to have fun. So I just want to do whatever comes to my mind is what I'm going to do. If Mm -hmm. I wake up and I want to go to the movies, I'm going to go to the movies. If I wake up and I want to take a road trip, I'm going to do that. And so that's kind of how the travel thing started. And my initial plan was to do that in 2020, but then COVID hit. So I had made this whole list of all these places that I wanted to go. So you know, last year around spring, revisited that list. And I just, you know, I'm picked the place and I'll research for two, three hours, you know, look at all these blogs for other, you know, black women that have traveled solo. And, um, you know, I'm getting all these tips and all these tricks and things. And I just started booking trips and then it just, turned into one after the other. So I'm in Colombia and then I'm in Mexico and then I go to Jamaica and then Belize. And it really was, it was like therapy for me Mm -hmm. and another version of therapy because it's, you know, getting to see the world, getting to see how, you know, other perspectives, getting to interact with people that are different from the people that I usually see, you know, and just kind of going other places and really taking it in. And I mentioned some of it in the book because there were some, you know, people that I met that just had such insightful things to say. And, you know, it's not that the people at home and your family and friends, not that they don't have insightful things to offer, but you're just so used to them. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I wanted to go elsewhere and get different perspective from people that from strangers that really became friends.
2: Yeah. And I want to emphasize Kayla that you travel solo, on your own, by yourself. (laughs) So that had to take, you know, a level of courage. And some people don't like to go to restaurants by
0: themselves. I know. It was, honestly, I surprised myself. The first time that I traveled solo and internationally, it was solo and internationally. I, like I said earlier, two months after I was diagnosed with cancer, I booked a trip to Cuba for my birthday. And at the time it was almost like I needed to prove something to myself. I don't know necessarily what I was trying to prove. I don't know if it was that, you know, I'm still strong and I'm still independent, even though I have cancer. And now that I'm saying it out loud, I think that's really what it was. And so I booked that trip and I was like, you know, I made it there, had fun, came back and I was okay. And I was like, oh, this is something I can do, you know, on a regular, because the thing is, it's not that I wouldn't love to travel with people, but I think a lot of people spend time waiting for other people to do anything, not even just travel. They spend time waiting for other people. And, you know, when I have my husband, I'll do this. When my friends are available, I'll do this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before you know it, you've let months, you know, mm-hmm. years pass by and you haven't done these things that you really want to do because you're waiting on other people. And so it was just kind of one of those things that If someone wants to go fine. But if they don't, I'm going to go anyway. Exactly.
2: Mm-hmm. We need a ringer to you because that's like ding, 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 ding,
1: ding, ding. <laughs> and we do. We need that bell. <laughs> Because I'm telling you, Kayla, this is one of the things that Gail and I had realized even about ourselves that we were holding back on things. You know, Mm -hmm. some things are necessary because we have children, as you mentioned, and we have Mm -hmm. responsibilities, but some things weren't necessary. We could have just gone ahead Uh and done them. And you've given so many amazing tips. You've talked about what I consider taking time to recover and rejuvenate. From these things that happen, Mm -hmm. being conscious of that and intentional Mm -hmm. of I've been through something, I'm exhausted, I'm stressed, I'm in mourning, whatever it is and taking time and taking actions Mm -hmm. to recover and rejuvenate, which is fantastic. You've talked about making lists. I mean, Mm -hmm. starting in fourth grade, so we're a little bit behind, (laughs) but we can catch up. We can catch up. (laughs) Absolutely. Start making lists and check off things that Mm -hmm. you want to do and accomplish them individually or with others. You could do that. You've talked about having a life coach and a Mm -hmm. therapist to go to to get through some things. What other life lessons can you share with our listeners?
0: I think in the past couple years, one of the biggest things that I've learned is that you have to learn how to pivot and be okay with pivoting because things really don't go at all how you expect or plan for them to go and I'm not discouraging anyone from making a vision board or anything. I still do all of that, but you can write these lists and you can make these vision boards and there are still gonna be things that pop up that you can't account for or that you don't expect. And you have to learn how to adjust. You have to learn how to pivot. And that's where having these supports and like a therapist or your family and being able to reach out to people, that's where those things come in handy because those periods of adjustment and pivoting can be difficult because you don't know what the future looks like and there can be some anxiety in that. And so I think it's important to know how to pivot. I also would share that I think it's important to listen to yourself There are so many voices that we are taking in all the time. You know, there's news happening all the time. We're scrolling, you know, we're following hundreds of people. We're talking to our family. We're talking to our friends. And sometimes our voice gets lost in that. And I think it's important to be able to, in those times, pull your own voice out and say, okay, what is it that I want in this situation? What is it that I need? And that was something that, again, I realized after my mom passed, because when she passed, you know, I took on the responsibility of, you know, the house and, you know, all these bills and all these, and I'm calling all these companies. And there was one day I called like 15 companies in one Mm -hmm. day. And I realized I, at the end of that week, I was just exhausted. And okay. I'm like, okay, I just need a day in the bed of doing nothing. Like, Thanks. I don't want to do anything. I did not even want the TV on. I just wanted to <laughs> lay there. And I realized at that moment, I'm like, okay, going forward, like, I'm really going to have to listen to myself. And what is it that I need today? And I say in the book, like some days I'll just want a milkshake from Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. And I make it a point to go get that milkshake from Chick-fil-A because you have to do those things for yourself because, you know, not that there aren't other people that will do it for you. We have family and friends, but if you're not willing to do it for yourself, how can you expect anyone else, you know, to do it for you?
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Oh my God. Kayla, I am twice your age, but I want you to be my mentor.
1: Really? <laughs> we need to set up weekly calls. <laughs>
2: Well, Kayla, we've talked about your book. Please tell our listeners how they can get their own copy.
0: So the book is available on Amazon. It's available on Barnes and Noble. And then you also can order it directly from the book website. So the book website is blackwomanscoffeytablebook.co. And honestly, I think the easiest way to say, you know, to tell everyone to find me would be to go to Instagram. My Instagram is K underscore Cherie. So Kay underscore S-H-E-R-R-I-E because from there, everything is linked and it'll be easier to find it from there.
1: I know you're going to plan on having some additional launches for the book. I know you've recently had one in Richmond. Yes. So some of those we'll probably be able Mm -hmm. to see on Instagram as well. Absolutely. We'll be able to see some information about your trips and Mm -hmm. some excerpts from the book are on there as well. And I just would follow you just for inspiration and confidence (laughs) and glamour tips as well. I mean, I (laughs) encourage everyone to go on there. You will immediately realize you have some work to do because (laughs) Kayla is, <laughs> extraordinary. So I really encourage everyone to go to her Instagram to her website as well and order her book. It is definitely inspirational and gives you some tips. Well, Kayla, this has been an extreme pleasure.
2: We are so glad
0: Likewise, you are
2: on our show. Black at it. The next adventure with Gail and Tia. I really enjoyed talking with you. And you, like I've told you, you have inspired me. <laughs> so much. And uh, you know, I'm proud of you. You know, thank you. Black woman who is really out there doing her thing and sharing it Mm
0: -hmm. with others,
2: which is important.
0: That is the goal. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you all for having me. Thank you.
1: And we will talk to you soon. Listeners, make sure you join our Facebook group, Black Addict, The Vibe Tribe. Talk to you soon.
0: Oh